I assume this is the spot. <laughs> well, uh, I can't help but to feel full circle. Um, I already told my wife, I said, I'm probably going to cry. <laughs> uh, many of y'all probably don't know me or my wife. Um, some of you do. And for that, I'm, uh, I'm grateful for you uh, because y'all had a deep impact on our lives when we, when we first uh, started coming here and, and when I first became a Christian. Um, they grow up in church. Uh, my parents are, uh, you know, they're still far away from the Lord even now. Um, and that's been uh, eight years. I've been saved for eight years. That's been quite the week for me. Um, my best, one of my best friends, uh, I actually, he was actually the guy I first led to the Lord. Uh, he gave me a job a week after I got saved, so I was super squirrely then and still kind of am now. Uh, he got sick about uh, two years ago, and then about a year after that, uh, he found out he had cancer. And uh, this Monday, this past Monday, he went home to be with the Lord. Um, 38, left, home, left a young wife and a young, young child uh, behind uh, in this world. And, and so having that funeral yesterday and then being here this morning, uh, it's real full circle for me because I think about uh, discipleship and, and how um, meaningful it can be and how important it is for us as we grow in the Lord and, and as we walk in this world that is, is so devastating sometimes, but can be so filled with joy. Um, Caleb, like I got saved on a Sunday, Caleb said, hey, uh, you're new. Did you just get saved? I had that face on me, you know, when you first get saved. It's just like, uh, like what's going on with my life? And uh, Caleb said, let's go get some coffee. And uh, he taught me everything. He taught me how to pray. He taught me how to read my Bible. He taught me how to, to treat a woman like a godly man um, because I didn't, you know, I didn't know. You know, I didn't have a godly example of that. And um, he taught me how to share the gospel with people, which was really important because I made it all the way through high school and through college without anyone ever interacting with me one-on-one to share the gospel with me or the promises of God with me or even the name of Jesus. No one ever fished for me. And so I have this great burden in my heart to tell people that there's a God that can take someone who is so far away from love, peace, joy, goodness, gentleness, self-control, kindness, so far away from Christ and redeem them and give them a power inside them to live in such a way that the whole world says, what in the world is wrong with that person? <laughs> Why are they so happy? Why are they so joy-filled? Why are they so hungry for things that are good? And so, uh, I have a title. Are you a disciple? I forgot what the title of the sermon was, forgive me. Um, I have a title this morning, Are You a Disciple? And it's out of the passage of uh, Matthew uh, 4, 18 through 22. And this is, this is a, a portion of Scripture in Matthew that comes after Jesus um, is, is starting His ministry. He, he's, 
He's baptized, then the Spirit carries him off into the wilderness, and then he's, he's tempted with every temptation um, at that time by Satan. And then Satan says, you know, I'm going to come back at another time. And then he begins his ministry, and in Matthew 4, uh, 17, it, it says, From that time Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so he starts preaching. And so he has this ministry, he has this, this, uh, this work to do, the will of the Father upon him. And so he calls his first disciples. And I don't know if y'all stand when you read God's word, but that's something we do at our church. And so if you're able to stand for, the honor, uh, the, for honoring God's word as we read it, I ask that you do. Matthew 4.18 while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them... Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, the words of that last song about your son being worthy of all this and more, it's so true. Not only are you worthy of honor and glory and power, you're, you're worthy of our lives. You're worthy of our, of our desires. You're worthy of our zeal and our passion and our love. You're worthy of every single effort. You're worthy of all this and more, God. And so, Lord, as we live and as we breathe and as we die, may we do so in honor and of glory of Jesus Christ. That if we claim to be disciples, that we would reflect the glory and the beauty of Christ. That we would be mirrors or moons reflecting the shining sun of Jesus Christ. So that all those who see us get a glimmer and a glimpse of hope, truth, and life that is Jesus Christ. And so, Father pray that you use this passage of scripture this morning to not only speak to our hearts, but to speak to the hearts of those that would know you because we spoke the words of life to them. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I think my wire got hooked to this microphone right here. We good? All right, excellent. I'm going to turn this a little bit. Okay, anyways, so uh, we're going to focus on Matthew 4.19. It's, uh, it's probably one of the most pivotal verses that I ever heard someone share. Um, they said uh, to me, his name was Steve Harris. He said, from this verse, you see that a disciple is someone that has a relationship with Jesus, that is transformed by Jesus, and that is on the mission of Jesus. And so... Uh, that's kind of the uh, formula for this passage and this, this message this morning because it, it gives us an idea of what to expect. 
You know, he, he would use the illustration of if, if I had a cell phone factory and I said I made cell phones and I had this process and I get to the end of the line and, and I have something other than cell phones, there's something wrong with the process. Something's not right. And so as we look at our own lives and the lives of those around us, as all of us who are saved are called to be disciples, we need to say, is what is being produced rep, uh, representative of the process? And so with that said, when Jesus called the first disciples, he called them to follow him, to be transformed by him, and to fish for him. And so when Jesus calls us to be his disciples, we follow him relationally, we are transformed by him and his power, and we fish for him while being on his mission. And so one way to look at this is if we're looking at the first part, he says, follow me. If I say to you, I know the best fishing spot in the county, right? And that's, that's saying a lot because there's a lot of fishing around here. But if I know the best fishing spot in the county and I say, follow me and I'll take you to that fishing hole, you're going to have to trust me that, that I know where I'm going. You're going to have to trust me that I'm going to tell you what kind of equipment you're going to need, what kind of gear you're going to need, what kind of rod, what kind of bait, what kind of uh, shoes you're going to need, if you're going to need waders or not. You're going to have to trust that I'm going to take you in the right direction. That I'm going to tell you, hey, watch out for those rocks. There's snakes under that rock. But if you don't trust me, you'll never follow me to that fishing hole. You might be thinking I'm taking you out there to steal your gear, which I'm not going to do. <laughs> so you would have to follow me. You would, you would have to trust that I would know what you need to bring. And so in like, minor, like manner, if we desire to be made in the fishermen... By Jesus, if we want to be transformed into the image of Christ, we must follow Jesus on the path that leads us to life. We must have an intimate relationship with him. We can't say, thank you, Lord, for this food, amen, and say, man, we said all of our prayers for the day. We can't rise up in the morning, pop open our phone, look at you version, read the verse of the day, and said, my relationship with Jesus is complete. <laughs> When I have a relationship with somebody, yes, I text them. Yes, I call them. But I also spend time with them. And I share. And I'm transparent. And then I ask, what, how can I be a service to you? How can I love you today? And so maybe you're thinking, how, how can I know how to follow Jesus? How can I, how can I know the path? Well, I would like for you to consider this conversation between Jesus and Thomas in John 14. John 14, verse 1. Jesus is speaking to them. It's very close to um, his time to, to be arrested and crucified. And he's having his heart-to-heart with his disciples. And he's saying, he says to them, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also, and you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas, he's a realist. He's, he's like, he's going to ask the questions that everybody else is thinking. Thomas said to him, Lord, we, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? 
And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Jesus is on a very simple level telling Thomas, you know the way to heaven. You know where I'm going. You know the path to eternal life. Jesus says, you've got to follow me. I'm the way. I'm the truth. And I'm the life. What he's saying is, on a, on a very surface level, that he is the way to eternal life. He is the truth of God. He is God incarnate in the flesh. He is the truth of God in flesh. And he is the legitimacy of the resurrected life. In concern to him being the way to eternal life, all we have to do is flip back to John chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. And it, goes, it says this, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I've come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus is saying, I am the way to eternal life. There's no other way. As Caleb was saying earlier, everything is kind of diverging onto this, this com confrontation with the truth about Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what the rest of the world is saying, is that all religions are the same and we all go down to the same place and everything's going to kind of consummate in the same way. But that is not the case. There's one way to eternal life, and his name is Jesus Christ. There's one representation of God the Father, and that is the Son, Jesus Christ. He is the truth of God incarnate. You can see that in Colossians chapter 1, verse 19. It says, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Even further, John chapter 1 verse 14 says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And in concern to him being the legitimacy of the resurrected life, you see in John chapter 11, as people are coming to Jesus while he's out and about saying, you know, Lazarus is going to die. That's your friend. Do you not care? And Jesus kind of tarries, and it's like four days later he comes. And by then, Martha's like, uh, did you not care, Jesus? By now, Lazarus is bloated up in the tomb, and you want to open it up? And Jesus says to Martha in John eleven twenty three, 23, he said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. She had pretty good theology too. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who, who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. And then he would go on 
to tell the people there to remove the stone away. He would call out Lazarus' name. He would come out of the grave and he would tell the people to unbind the grave clothes off of him. He is the legitimacy of the resurrection. He is the legitimacy of eternal life. He is the one who consummates all things in the end. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And so if you want to follow after Jesus, follow after Jesus. If you want to know who he is, dig deep into his word and let it speak to your life and to your heart and to the way you live and act and, and relate to other people. Let it drive you and fuel the mission that you're on in this life. Don't just sit around. Don't rob yourself of joy. Do something about it. Or do something about it. I don't know. Maybe I should be a little bit forceful with that. I don't know. <laughs> so Jesus' desire, much like the original language suggests in, John, or in Matthew 4, 19, when he says, follow me, the original language is more like, come here. Come after me. Come after me. It's like chasing somebody in a lifelong game of follow the leader where you're, each day you're growing deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper in love with Jesus. Come after me, he says. Come after me. And so following Jesus gives us life. It reveals to us the path that we can take to be formed by his truth and to be made into fishers of men. And so much like when Caleb was, was and still is, Lord willing, following Jesus, <laughs> for y'all's sake, right? <laughs> he challenged me to follow Jesus. And that challenge on me challenged me to ask my friend Jason, follow Jesus. And I had no idea eight years ago that I would watch my friend take his last breath and enter into heaven. I didn't know. But what I did know is that he needed Jesus. He was hurting and struggled. And I got to reap that joy when I sat in that funeral and got to hear how godly and how, how much like Jesus my friend looked to other people. And how as he was suffering through cancer and in the hospital getting chemo, he's sharing the gospel with people and people are getting saved. And you sit back and you're like, wow. I don't know if this pastor up here is talking about Jesus or my friend Jason. You never know who needs to follow him unless you say, come after him with me. Come after him. Follow me as I follow him. So disciples, follow Jesus. Secondly, disciples are transformed by Jesus. I always get weary of using words that involve trans these days. Um, that's, a, that's a serious thing. Like, I don't know, do I use some other word? I think we sometimes misrepresent the importance of words, and they are so important. So that word transform means that you were once formed in, in a way, but now your image is being transformed into something else. And so no one, continuing with this little fishing thing, right? So we're fishing, 
and uh, you, you, I don't know why you would follow me to a fishing hole because honestly, I got a river right across from where I work at a zipline place, and I go out there and, and like 80% of the time I'm getting skunked. <laughs> and I'm like, there's no fish in here. And then one day I see a swallowtail kite flying out of the river with like a four pound bass and it drops it on the ground. It's just like, see, I told you they're fish. So it's like, I don't, <laughs> what, do, what do you do with that when the bird fishes better than you? Um. <laughs> so no one learns to fish in one day. That's what I'm trying to get here with the lifelong commitment to following Jesus. No one learns to fish in a day. Although you, you may learn how to tie a hook, how to cast, um, many other details of fishing are learned through a lifetime spent fishing, okay? Um, and a lot of people, a lot of people buy a lot of gear. Right now, I've got one fishing rod, and I've had that one fishing rod for a very long time, and obviously, it's not working for me. Uh, so, for example, you, you learn, like, when is the right time to fish? Is it in the morning or the afternoon or in the evening? Is it before, after, or during a rainstorm? Um, you, you may learn different ways to cast, to get under a dock, uh, maybe a shorter rod for that, maybe a longer rod to get around uh, some trees. Um, what type of fishing rod to use in a river versus a lake or the ocean? What type of bait to use in the spring or the fall? See, all these things you don't automatically pick up when you're like, I'm a fisherman now, I got me a rod, I'm going fishing, I know there, there is all to do, right? You don't, you don't all of a sudden have all this experience about fishing in one day. No, no, no. It's a lifelong process of transformation, of learning and walking and going. And so similarly, we think about it. When is the right time to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with somebody? Um, is, it, is it when they're extremely angry or very calm? Um, is it when they're rushed about in life or content? Is it when they're happy or, or sad? Is it when things are going very good or very bad? Um, I'm not Dr. Seuss, although I'm rhyming. Uh, the thing is, is, is we got to consider, do we yell at them or do we speak calmly with them? <laughs> do we tell them of the love of God first or the coming judgment? Do we share with them about the promises of healing brought on by belief in Christ? Or, or do we tell them of the forgiveness of sin to be had first? It is with each case and with each person we meet in our lives, as we follow Jesus more intimately, we get to see the people who don't know him. And, and he speaks to us and he says, listen to this person, get to know them, love them, and find out how to share the gospel with them. That's not trickery or some kind of angle. It's, it's that you're speaking to the heart of a person while being led by the Spirit to do so. Not every fishing hole is the same. So the answer to all these questions is, is that it takes time. It takes learning. It's, it takes transforming forming our desires to look like His. We must follow our Lord Jesus in order to learn from Him and to be made into fishers of men by Him. Being made into something takes time. I didn't become a fisher of men in one day. I was... I was called in one day and, and, and began fishing in one day, but, but being made is something that's still happening to me. In fact, recently I learned, stop worrying about tools and just hand people the Bible and say, hey, 
what is this, what is God saying to you in this passage? Because a lot of times people bring you their problems and stuff, and you're just like, I could say, you could say a million things to somebody, but your words are absolutely powerless in comparison to God's word. You just say, hey, I really feel what you're saying. I know you're going through a hard time. Can I show you what God says about this? Why don't you read this for me? Can you tell me what it's saying? And you would be surprised the people's response when they take a Bible from you and how they respond to that when they realize, huh, God does say something about my financial struggles. Huh, God does say something about my girlfriend or boyfriend. Huh, God does say something about me raising my children. Huh, God does say something about uh, my struggle with pornography or whatever. God does say something about those things. And so they realize that following Jesus, that goes beyond some spiritual hoopla, but it addresses a more deeper issue, the issue of sin and a deep need of freedom from it. So the good news is that when we follow Jesus, what he says and what he does, his will, his desires, his ways, he makes us into what he has called us to be. Jesus transforms us daily into his image, into his glory. And this is a lifelong process that begins in an instant, right, at our salvation. And it continues until he calls us home, right? That continuation being the sanctification and that calling home being the glorification. I got to see that full circle this week. And so 2 Corinthians 5.17, I would say, is the, uh, the instant and it says this, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who, through Christ, reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And then further, 2 Corinthians three seventeen and 18. Now the Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding or reflecting, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is spirit. God is transforming you, church, one day at a time, from one degree of glory to another, to reflect his glory. One day at a time. I like to tell guys I'm discipling and gals that when you fall, fall forward. I'm not to bring sports. I've already brought fishing into this. Lord help me. I'm going to bring football into this now. Western, I don't know. Is Western winning football games anymore? I, they, I think they won. I think I went there five years and they didn't win a game until the last semester. It was quite sad. Um, Go cats. Uh, anyways, so when you're discipling people, when you're following Jesus, and when, sorry, Caleb, and you're following Jesus and you're discipling others and, and teaching them how to follow Jesus, and you're saying this is a day-to-day -day transformation, right? This happens day-to-day. -day. You want to encourage them, hey, if you fall, fall forward, right? And so in football, you have this, like, thing you barely touch with your feet, right? And, uh, and, and if you have it and you get hit, you don't want to fall backwards. You want to fall forward. 
You want to keep progressing that ball down the road or down the field. So you want to fall forward. It doesn't matter how intense the, the clobbering is, if you break your back or tear an ACL, whatever the, the issue is, you fall forward. Because you know you have the church around you to help pick you up. And if you got to sit on the sideline for a minute and have them like medically look at you and then put you back into play, that's okay. But the thing is, is you take that ball and you fall forward with it. And that ball is your life following Jesus, being sanctified by him, being transformed by him. And you keep carrying that ball and you keep following forward on the mission of Christ. Transformed daily. And so to be transformed or made in the fishers of men by him, we must follow him. We must read his word. We must talk with him in prayer We must turn from our brokenness and turn towards his goodness and be on his mission by fishing for men. I didn't start off as a missionary. Like, I didn't even know I was going to be a NAM missionary. I thought I was just going to go plant churches for North Carolina Baptists. And then all of a sudden, they're like, oh, by the way, now you're a NAM missionary. I was like, okay, thanks, I guess. You know, it's like I didn't see that coming. I didn't start off this crazy. (laughs) The Lord made me this way. (laughs) <laughs> uh, please, please put that on like a quote thing and post it. That'd be funny. Uh, <laughs> but God, this has been a lifelong following Jesus. And the joys and the thrills and the passion and, the, and all of it. And so, um, you know, it was the intentionality of Webster. I got to see Mike and, and Buddy and, and Dee and a couple of other people um, as my wife and I came in, and we just, we kind of just thought back, um, especially as we went yesterday driving around, seeing all the places where we live when we were here, and we just thought, man, these people, Sheila and Max and some other people, they, when, when we first started coming here, they were so intentional about discipling us. And they... They didn't have to be. But they saw a young couple who needed to follow Jesus. And they were other couples who had lived the life, walked with the Lord, have been through hard times in marriage, and shared their wisdom and their love. And you know what? I would like to say thanks to Webster. Because if it wasn't for Webster, I don't know how dedicated I would be to my wife. I I, I grew to love marriage and to love the Lord here. Oh, it's a great nest. I, feel like, I felt like I didn't even have my feathers when I got kicked out of the nest. Um, <laughs> but the Lord sustained me anyways. Anyways, um, thirdly, uh, disciples are on mission, or disciples are on the mission of Jesus. He said to them, follow me and I will make, that's the transformational part, you fishers, that's the missional part of men. Um, being a fisher of men is just one just one of the results of following Jesus. Just one. And it is a benefit, okay? Fishing for people is a benefit. And so what that means is, as we continue to know Jesus more intimately and deeper each day, our hearts continue to grow more and more in love with him. And each day as we follow him, we see his beauty, the beauty of his love for us and others, and the glory of what he did on the cross for all people. 
no matter what they look like, no matter where they're currently at in their life, Jesus died for that sinner too. Before I got saved, I was an alcoholic, a drug addict, I was a manipulator, I was, a, I was addicted to all sorts of things, I've tried to stab people. I was, a, I was not a good person. I, was, I, I didn't even care to live. But Jesus wanted to redeem me. And the church fished for me when I came into these doors. And y'all still have that mission today. And so realizing the amazing grace and the wonderful truth of all of this, a follower of Jesus, someone who believes in him, will want to tell others about Jesus and even hunger for his mission. Having a burning passion to declare the freedom to the captive and the sight to the blind. And in 1 Peter uh, chapter, one, chapter 2, let me get there, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it says this, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You want to know who you are if you follow Jesus? That's who you are. A holy nation. A chosen race. A royal priesthood. A proclaimer of the excellencies of God. So what is somebody who fished for men? What is that mission of Jesus? Well, in Luke 19.10, Jesus says, The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. That's the mission. That's what God has called you to do today. That's what he called you to do when you got saved, however long ago it was. Whether you started doing it then or have not. You've been called to be on mission for Christ. To seek those that are lost and tell them about the Savior. We can change your life. And so I close with this. <laughs> Surprisingly, I close with this. A story from John MacArthur. Uh, he tells a story about an Italian who kept to himself. Um, and I don't ever really... That's, to me, that sounds like a contradiction an Italian keeps to himself. Um, they're very hospitable. Um, anyways, so when he died, uh, he had a few friends, and his friends went to go clean out his house for him, and uh, they found over uh, around 250, 250 violins, very, very expensive violins in his attic. And they even found one of the first violins that this famous violin maker, famous instrument maker, Stradivarius made. And it was said that that violin was played for the first time 147 years after it was made. This man had all these beautiful, distinguished treasures of, 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 of amazing sound and quality stowed away in his home. He robbed the world from the beautiful hum of their strings, from the melodies that they were able to make, and from the hands of, of great artists. He robbed the world of their music. Many Christians treat their faith like that. 
they take this, uh, the treasure of the gospel, and they put it in their attic, covered up with a blanket so they don't get dust on it and close the stairs. Many of them actually take the treasure and the beauty of the gospel down into their cellar and bury it so it don't rot away for them, so that they can have it when the time is right. Much like the man with one talent, scared to even invest it. My plea to you that if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, that you would not rob the world who's in darkness and spiritual poverty of the great treasure of Jesus Christ, the beauty of the Son, the Word of God made flesh, the one who took our penalty for sin and bore it on a cross to bring salvation to us, to all peoples, and rose from the grave to prove it, prove that who he was. My plea is that you don't take that treasure and throw it in your attic like it's worthless. If you believe in Jesus Christ and you, you say you follow him, then be in love with him. Let him make you into who you are supposed to be and fish for people by sharing the gospel of Jesus with them. However, if you're still not fully convinced, and I know some people aren't, know that turning away from brokenness and believing in Jesus and that he is God who saves and forgives is the very first step of following him. Just believe him. And finally, understand that following Jesus is a daily commitment as well as a life long journey. It is, not, it is not a one and done and forget about it. It's just not. And it's not getting out of a hard life free card either. Because uh, my life didn't get easier, it just got more joyful. And so, I want you to reflect on that. Are you fishing for Jesus? Let's pray. Father in heaven, I'm thankful, thankful for your amazing, amazing mercies towards us. That you would call us out of darkness and into your marvelous light. That you would let us have a relationship with you, the heavenly, divine creator of all things. The one who breathed stars into existence. That you would transform us to reflect your glory. And that you would give us a, a deep and zealous purpose of sharing your gospel and fishing for people. I pray, Father, that this morning we would respond to you, to your calling, that we would turn away from brokenness and turn towards the beauty of Christ. We ask all this in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.